Turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. We have been in a study, in a discussion on truth. Amen. And in a world today that considers truth to be relative, in a world today that doesn't value truth for what it is, that doesn't value truth, uh, you know, to, to, that we actually want to know truth, uh, we have settled for a lie, we have settled for half-truth, we've settled for uh, a uh, substance of truth, but I believe that God wants us to desire real truth. I believe that God wants us to know truth. I believe that God wants to make his truth known to us, and it doesn't have to be something that we try to figure out or that we have a guessing game with or debate over. Um, I honestly believe that God wants to reveal his truth to us, his People, and we've seen that the last couple of weeks. Number one, we saw that truth sets you free. Well, I believe God wants us free. Amen. If God doesn't want you bound, then uh, He's already given you access to the very thing that will set you free, and that is truth. Okay. But we need freedom in all area of all areas of our lives. We don't just need uh, freedom spiritually. We may need some financial freedom. We may need freedom in our bodies, just like we prayed for tonight. We may we may need. Uh, freedom in our marriages, freedom in favor and with our jobs and with careers, knowing the will of God. And so he has truth lined out through his word. And he wants to make that truth known to us. We saw again, number one, truth sets you free. Number two, we saw that uh, God has given us his truth, sent us his son as a perfect picture of what truth is. We know that John chapter 17, Jesus said, your word is truth. Set them apart. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Well, who's the word? Well, we go over to John chapter one and we see that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then God took another step. He said, I'm going to send that word in the flesh an actual manifestation walking on the face of the earth so they can see what truth looks like. And so God has given us truth. God has given us truth. God has sent us truth in the form of Jesus. But before Jesus was Jesus the man, he was Jesus the word of God. So if I want to know truth, I don't have to go any further than my Bible. But God wants to go even further than that. God has given us his inspired written word of God. That's been compiled by authors, been compiled over time and ages and generations of time and has stood the test of time. The word that does not change. How many of you know today truth changes, right? Truth changes. Truth can mean one thing today and another thing tomorrow. One day coffee is good for you. The next day coffee is bad for you. Truth is always uh, changing because we always change how we accept truth. But the word of God never changes. The word of God stays consistent, stays constant. So if I ever want to know the truth of something, I've got to do some digging. I've got to find a way to get past all the lies, because every time a lie is told, it makes it that much harder to uncover truth. There are so many lies out there in the world about your finances. I mean, there's a lie out there that's going through the church that you don't even have to tithe. We've been set free from tithing. We've been set free from having to give to our local body church. Well, let me know if that works for you. Let me know if you see provision coming to you. Because God's word has promised me truth. 
based upon giving, based upon sowing, based upon investing financially of that which he provides, not my job. He's my source. And so it's easy to give back. And so his word contains truth. Well, there's lies that I've got to get past. I've got to uncover the truth that's buried under all the lies that people want to come up with of what giving looks like. And that's just one example. There's lies going around about salvation. About if you have to be saved or if you don't have to be saved. There's a doctrine going around called the doctrine of inclusion. It actually came out in the 90s. Very popular minister, if I said his name, there's probably some of you in this room would know him. He preaches a doctrine of inclusion, which states that everybody's going to heaven. Because for God so loved the world, his love is so strong that he has, he just wants everybody in his family, everybody in heaven. Well, that's not what the Bible says. That's not what the truth states. But I've got to dig past some lies to get to the truth. So we saw last week that the truth takes some work. There's some digging that's involved, right? You can't handle the truth. But there is someone who can handle the truth. And he lives inside of you, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. So if I want to know the truth, I just need to go to the Holy Spirit. He's the spirit of truth, not the spirit of lies, not the spirit of opinions, not the spirit of man's idea. Not the spirit of what grandma said or what my old pastor, the spirit of truth. I don't have to go any further than the one that's living inside of me, that Jesus promised would come to me, that Jesus promised would come and dwell inside of me, live inside of me, make his home inside of me. Why? So he could guide me, so he could teach me, so he could lead me into all truth, show me things, uh, remind me of things that Jesus said and show me things to come. Well, if that doesn't cover it, then I don't know what else you need to know. He'll remind you of stuff that's already been said. And then on top of that, he's going to reveal to you things that come. And so God wants us to know truth. You know, when God resources you, when God invests in you, it is our responsibility to uh, partake and to steward of those resources properly. See, I can give you all the equipment. I can say, hey, I need you to do a certain job for me. And I can give you all the equipment necessary to do it. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what tool you need. It doesn't matter what amount of finance. I can give it to you. But if you don't put it to use, the job doesn't get done. Okay? And God doesn't want to invest in us. And God doesn't want to resource us. And God doesn't want to make things available to us that just sit stagnant that we don't use and then we go to God and say why don't I know this why can't you show me this and he's saying it's sitting inside of you the spirit of truth is living inside of you and then I've given you my word and anything you don't understand in here he will explain it to you it's literally that simple we've made this book out to be far more complicated than it has to be But that's why I don't ever read the word of God. I don't ever get in the scripture without first going to the father, without first asking, Holy Spirit, you know what needs to be uncovered. You know what you want to show me today. Reveal to me, illuminate to me. These are words that Jesus used. These are words that Paul used. Remember, Paul said, I pray that the church, this was his prayer for the churches in Ephesians, in Colossians. 
in Galatians. I pray that you have a spirit of wisdom and understanding and the knowledge of him. That your spirit will be enlightened or illuminated. Why? Because it's far more than just reading black words on white pages. It's more than that. My prayer every time that I minister, every Sunday, every Wednesday, every opportunity that I have, is that people understand that this is God's word going forth. These are not Pastor Mark's words. This is not my agenda. This is not my idea or my opinion. This is what the word says. And I'm obligated to that. I take that seriously. I want you to know that. One of my good friends, Pastor Josh Clay, uh, you know, I think I've even mentioned this a couple times that the college ministry down in St. Augustine has had a door open where they can actually go into the college. But what they have found is what he's found is that there's a lot of things that they believe are up for debate. And uh, there are other pastors that get to minister in these uh, types of classes and forums. And so, you know, Pastor Josh, he comes in on his scheduled day and he teaches and we, I know what he's teaching. But there's some other pastors that come in that maybe don't hold that same accountability within themselves. Don't hold themselves to the same standard of make sure I know what I'm saying before I say it. I mean, even Paul said that. Don't just speak out of your mind. Speak from your hearts. So that means you've got to know it in your heart. Knowing it in your head and knowing it in your heart are two different things. It's kind of like, you know, that final answer. I don't know if you, any of you remember Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I watched that. That came out when I was about in high school or junior high or so. And who wants to be a millionaire? And they'd always ask them, final answer. Oh, okay, if we're talking final answer, let me ponder this. Let me make sure it's in here, not just in here. C, are you sure? Ah, hmm. Well, it could be. No, there's no could be. There's no maybe. When you know the word in your heart, when you know it for real, you preach it with consistency. You preach it with conviction. Paul said, I don't preach out of my own tongue. I don't preach out of my own wisdom. I preach the oracles of God. This this is not man's wisdom. This is God speaking. And so we saw that last week. We've got to have some conviction about the word of God. We've got to have some conviction about the truth of the word of God. Because I know this, that there is a truth. Because you can't have a lie until you have truth. You can't tell a lie about something that isn't first stated in truth. So every lie is founded on a truth. We just got to find The truth, the devil came back in Genesis chapter three at the very beginning and deceivingly, deceptively told a lie. But there was first truth given. There was first the truth. You will surely die. And the devil perverted that, twisted that. Even that simply by just adding one word, you will not surely die. And he's doing the same thing today. He's the deceiver. He roams the earth to and fro looking for those that are not founded in the word. So we've got to know truth, guys. We've got to know truth. Tonight, I want to give you steps to knowing truth. I've got three simple, basic steps to knowing truth. Three basic, simple steps to knowing truth, 
unveiling truth, having truth revealed in your life. And I'm going to tell you tonight that without these three steps, it's going to be very, very difficult. You will easily be swayed. We're going to look at that next week because we're going to look at what it means to fall away from the truth. Understand this, that just because you once knew the truth about something doesn't mean you always believe that. We've got to learn how to stay consistent with truth. And so we're going to look at that next week. But today I want to give you steps, three simple steps to knowing truth. So here in Acts chapter 17, let me give you a little background before we start reading. Uh, You know, Acts goes through pretty much a lot of Paul's life, the trips that he took, the places that he ministered, the churches that he started, the people that he put in those churches, Timothy and Barnabas and Mark and all the different people that he came into contact with while doing ministry. And for the most part, you know, Paul had a lot of success ministering. Um, for the most part, he was able to go in and people were able to get saved and born again and churches started and planted and And a lot of great works going on in the book of Acts. But here in Acts chapter 17, this this chapter is a little bit different because this chapter covers some difficulties that Paul ran into. And it covers three different areas that Paul went to and ministered. The first one is Thessalonica. Thessalonica. And we know that he eventually wrote a book, first and second Thessalonians. To these people, but he went in uh, and it covers up to about verse 10. Um, It covers his trip to Thessalonica and it didn't go so well. He went there and he tried to preach and tried to minister. And um, basically the entire city got into an uproar and found the believers and kicked them out of the city. Said we don't want any of that. Uh, you're, You're preaching doctrine that we've never heard of. You're preaching stuff that we don't like. You're preaching stuff that's contrary to what we already know. We don't like it. What's this resurrection stuff? They didn't like that. A lot of people had a hard time with the resurrection. If you go through the book of Acts and the other books, there were some people that got real hung up on Jesus coming back from the They had no problem believing that he could die. But the fact that he came back, well, that's paramount. You can't leave that out. <laughs> Well, I believe Jesus died. I don't know about the whole coming back, but at least I believe he died on the cross. Well, him coming back is why you can have life today. Because if he can't have life, you sure can't. But he came back. He rose again. Amen. And so they got hung up on this. So he leaves Thessalonica and goes to another country called Berea. Berea. And the Bereans were a little different. Uh, And that's who we're going to look at today. They were a little different. And we'll read a description about them. But once Paul preached and people started receiving a little bit, the Thessalonians went to Berea. They heard that he was preaching that same stuff. Isn't it funny that when people uh, don't like what you're saying, they'll follow you around to make sure that everybody that you talk to knows that what you're saying is a lie. That's still going on today. That did not stop with the Thessalonians. Why are you still listening to my stuff? If you Fine. You don't like what I say? Don't listen to it. But you're still listening to my stuff and you're still going behind my back to other people and saying, hey, by the way, what, uh, what, they're, what they're preaching, you don't want any of that mess. Still goes on today. So eventually they get kicked out of Berea. And then he moves on to Athens. And they were inquisitive. They asked questions. They said, tell us more about this. We want to know. We want to know about this. 
But they didn't like what they heard. <laughs> they didn't like what they heard. They got hung up on the resurrection as well. And, and Greeks had an issue with resurrection because they thought that your soul, the entire time you're on the earth, was trying to get out of your body. So why would you want to go back into it? <laughs> so they didn't like that. They, they thought that, the, uh, that dying was the soul being released from this bondage of being within the body. And so when they found out that there's a thing called resurrection and that your soul could actually go back into your body, whoa, we don't want none of that. I've been spending all my life just trying to get out of this thing. Why do I want to get back in it? So they had an issue. But there were a couple of people, and they're named at the end of the chapter, there were a couple of people that did grab a hold of it, that did say, there's something to this. And they got born again. They were converted. But we're going to focus today on the Bereans. And starting in verse 10, it says this, Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night. That's getting them out of Thessalonia. I'm sorry, Thessalonica. Uh, Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. That was a, a, a normal thing that they did. Every time they went to a country or a nation or a city, they would go into the synagogue because that's where they could have the largest crowd. That's where they could get, make their greatest impact. They'd go into the synagogue. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. In that, watch this, they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, there's a reason that therefore is therefore. It's connecting what was just said. Because they searched out the scriptures, because they received the word with all readiness, therefore many of them believed, and also not a, not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well, as men, But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, they came there also and stirred up the crowds. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea, but both Silas and Timothy remained there. So those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens and receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed. They departed. Let's get back up to. Verse 11, I want to spend some focus here because this is the first step into knowing truth. It states two things. These were more fair-minded. First of all, fair-minded, that, that word in the King James is noble, and it means open-minded. They were open-minded. In fact, if we read this in a couple other versions, uh, in the Amplified, it reads like this. Now, these Jews were better disposed... And more noble than those in Thessalonica. For they were entirely ready and accepted and welcomed the message concerning the attainment through Christ of eternal salvation in the kingdom of God. With inclination of mind and eagerness, searching and examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Daily to see if these things were so. So this shows a picture of someone that's not just hearing something and disbelieving or believing without doing some homework behind it. 
The Bereans were how we ought to be. Now, there's two positions that they took, and we've got to look at both positions because we have to learn to be as balanced as they were. Because in either of these positions, we can get out of balance. The first position, it says, is that they received the word with all readiness. That means they had an open mind, that they were ready to hear something that maybe was contrary to what they already knew, maybe was completely new. Maybe they had never Heard this before, but they did not shut it out. They did not keep themselves from growing. They did not put themselves in a position where I know it all. You can't tell me anything I don't already know. And you can't contradict what I already know. No, it says that they received the word with all readiness. Well, that's important. So they had open minds. We must receive the word of God with an open mind. But this does not mean be gullible. Because the rest of this sentence states, and search the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So they had the perfect balance of hearing the word and being open to it, keeping themselves teachable. They have a level of teachability. They have a level of, hey, if you've got the word, if you've got the word on a level, I want to know. But they weren't gullible. They weren't just baby birds with their mouths open wide, just swallowing anything that was stuck in their mouths. No, it says that they searched the scriptures daily To find out whether these things were so. Now, this passage does not read. This does not say they searched the scriptures daily to make sure these things weren't so. When we study the word. Regardless of what you believe and regardless of what you already think, you have to go into the word with this picture. I just want to know truth. I'm a lover of truth. I'm a lover of truth. I want to know what the truth is of the matter. I just want to know. And if what I currently think or believe is not truth, I'm ready to turn back and accept the truth. Most people don't do that. Most people only go in here to disprove something. Most people only go in here To prove that this is not true. Or what you said is not true. Well, you know what? This book can be so complicated that if you want to disprove everything that I say or everything any minister says or everything that you want to, that you don't want to believe in the word, you can find it. I mean, those people that, you know, preach that... You know, giving is unlawful and for pastors to require tithes and offerings to a local body church. uh, They've got Bible verses. They've got actual scripture. (laughs) It's called taking it out of context. And context is the environment that keeps the word secure. So if I take it outside of the context... I'm taking it out of its environment that it's meant to thrive in. You take a fish out of water, it dies. 
You take a verse out of context, it dies. It becomes unfruitful. It becomes ineffective in your life. So we've got to be people that want to know truth. We've got to be people that desire to know truth regardless of what our current position is. Every time you hear the word, tonight, Sunday, last Sunday, anytime you hear the word, it does one of two things. It will either form a belief within you. It will form a new belief within you or it will strengthen a belief that you already have. It will always do one of those two things. It's what process, it's what makes up your belief system is what you get out of the word. Well, you don't want to have an incorrect belief system out of an incorrect study life. I know people that they're not readers of the word. They don't love the word. They don't care about the Bible. They're not in it on a daily basis. They're, they're not so, so uh, in love with this thing that every day they make sure I'm in this. I know people that don't care. But they will get it. They will pull off the Bible off the shelf. They will blow the dust off just to prove that you are wrong. Yeah. You don't, if you don't love this, then you don't have the right to dissect it because this isn't a history book. This isn't, this isn't here for you to prove and justify your lifestyle. This is here to give you truth, and that truth will set you free. Amen. Look at this in 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy Chapter 2, verse 15. We've all heard it. Be diligent. Be diligent. Diligent. Diligent is not break it off the shelf every now and then. Diligent is not, uh, you know, when, when I need to look something up. This is not an encyclopedia. This isn't Wikipedia. This is the Bible. This is God speaking to us. Okay? Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Well, if the word of truth, it's still the word of truth. It's still the word of truth. But if the word of truth can be wrongly, if it can be rightly divided, it can be wrongly divided. If I can rightly divide the word, then I can wrongly divide the word. A divide does not mean to break it up and to break it into segments. And this means this, that word divide means to discern. That word divide means to discern. It means to gain full understanding or knowledge. So rightly divide it. Rightly divide the word. The Amplified says it this way. Study and be eager and do your utmost. That's a lot of work. Study and be eager and do your utmost to present yourself to God approved, tested by trial, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing, rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. That's a mouthful. I'll say it again. If you're on you version, you've got this in front of you. It's correctly Analyzing, 
accurately dividing, rightly handling, and skillfully teaching. Let me put it this way. If we don't correctly analyze, if we don't properly handle, if we don't skillfully teach the word, it does not work. I don't know about you. I want the word to work for me. I don't know about you, but there's too many promises and there's too much that God has made available to me through his word that I want it to work in my life. I don't want to get a hold of the most powerful thing on the face of the planet and it doesn't work because I don't know how to rightly divide it. We have a responsibility to do this. We have a responsibility to know truth. So number one is prove truth. Prove truth. Have an open mind, but a proving spirit. Have an open mind, but a proving spirit. That means one that is willing to go back and do the work that's necessary. One that's willing to take what you've heard and then go and dissect. Go and correctly analyze the word for yourself. It does not say have an open mind and a disproving heart. Prove the scripture out. And I'll tell you right now, truth never contradicts truth. Truth will never contradict itself. The word cannot contradict itself. Genesis cannot contradict revelations. Paul cannot contradict Peter. Jesus cannot contradict his father. And even Jesus said this of the Holy Spirit. He said he doesn't speak on his own initiative, but everything he says he first heard from the father. It's good to know that your sources are all in agreement. You hate going to heads of authority and they're all confused and communicating five different ways how to do something. But God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are all in agreement on what the Word says. Well, Jesus showed me this. Well, that's too bad because that's not what the Word says. The Holy Spirit's telling me this. And, and, and you know, that's what a lot of people want to say. The Holy Spirit talking is relative. The Holy Spirit speaking to people. I mean, I can't deny or acknowledge that the Holy Spirit spoke to you. But I can prove the word. And so if the Holy Spirit tells you something that's not found in here, guess what? He didn't say it. He didn't say it. People want to throw that tagline on there. The Holy Spirit told me. I mean, even Paul says, look, even when there's prophecy given, if a tongue and interpretation is given, line it up with the word. Judge every prophecy, he says. You can't judge me. I can judge your word. You brought the Holy Spirit into it. You're the one that dragged him in. So let's go to the Holy Spirit. By aligning it with the word, because they'll never be in disagreement. They'll never be in disagreement. Amen. So the first point is prove truth. We've got to be people that can have a proper balance in having an open mind, a receptive heart. But at the same time, we'll prove things out. I'm not asking you to be gullible. I'm not asking you to believe everything I say just because I say it. I'm not asking you just to open that actually... uh, uh, Paul talked about that type of church. 
And he says, we should no longer be children tossed to and fro about by every wind of doctrine. And notice that he did not even say every wind of false doctrine. That there's some doctrine that even though it's truth, it's not the whole truth. I thank God for salvation. I thank God uh, that I can be born again into the kingdom of God. But that's not the end. That's just the beginning. And so even if you take a doctrine that is truth, but you don't bring the whole truth. Well, Jesus promised his uh, disciples, you need to go and wait for me. Why? For the promised one, for the Holy Spirit. So there's a doctrine out there that says all you have to do is just be born again. There's a doctrine out there that says, uh, you know, you can do everything in the kingdom just like anybody else as long as you're saved. Well, no, there's a field with the spirit that gives you power with the evidence of speaking in tongues. That's in there. Why do we rip that? Why do we stop? Why do we stop there? There's truth. There's more truth. We can't stop wanting truth. You can't stop wanting to learn truth. You can't stop wanting to grow in the things of God. Amen. His word is alive. His word is active. Open minds, proving hearts. The Bereans operated in the proper discipline that was necessary to study the word of God. And I'm just going to tell you right now that an open mind, proving heart type of person, that's not a casual hearer. That's not someone that just goes to church on Sunday or Wednesday. I don't care if you go to church every day of the week for that matter. I don't care if you listen to Joyce Meyer and Kenneth Copeland and, uh, you know, whoever else is out there. I don't care. I mean, I've been I listen to 10 sermons from Joyce Meyer today on YouTube. That was awesome. Well, that's good. Well, how much did you go back and study? How much did you go back and meditate? And those words are in there. It doesn't say this book of the law shall not depart from your mind. It says this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. The only way it gets in your mouth is by first getting it in your heart. And that comes through meditation, looking at it on a daily basis. We've got to know the word. We've got to be diligent. We've got to be studious. This is for disciplined people. Okay? This is for disciplined people. We've got to learn to rightly divide. Number two. Number two, we've got to be perceptive. You've got to be perceptive when you read the Word. You can't read the Word nonchalantly. You can't read the Word without giving attention to it. You know, I'm one of those guys, if I'm not careful, I'll read a book or I'll just flip pages and then I'll think, well, dang, I don't even know what I just read. I mean, I did that a lot in high school with a few times that I did read. I was thinking about, you know, something else. I just went through five pages. I mean, I know that I read it, but I don't know any of it i didn't comprehend any of it no when we read the word we've got to read it with an ability to give attention to it and we saw that last week proverbs chapter 4 my son give attention pay attention pay attention he's saying pay attention to my words give attention don't just hear what i'm saying and have it go in one ear and out the other that's easy you can't even acknowledge people and not even know you're acknowledging oh yeah yeah i got it no problem did you hear what i said what isn't that amazing we can do that subconsciously we can do that without even thinking but the word of god cannot be addressed that way 
When we read the word, we've got to be studiers. We've got to be perceptive. Let me show you the difference. John chapter 3. John chapter 3. John chapter 3 and verse 11. Jesus is speaking with a man. He's a Pharisee. His name is Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to him in the middle of the night and says, hey, you keep talking about this kingdom stuff. So what's this kingdom all about? How can I see the kingdom? And so he goes on, you know, unless you're born again. Right. No one's ever made that statement before. John the Baptist did not make that statement. David did not make that statement. Isaiah and Jeremiah did not say anything about being born again. This is the first time I'm ever hearing these words born again, back to back in the same sentence. So this that does not make any sense. In verse 11, Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen. And you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? What's he saying? You're trying to address what I'm saying spiritually, naturally. You're going at this thing. You're not trying to perceive. You're not trying to know. You're attacking this thing on a literal basis, term for term, and you are lost. So when I say born again, the only thought process you have is of literally going back in your mother's womb and being born again naturally. That's literally Nicodemus's response. And Jesus is saying, how, are, do you, how do you expect to understand what I'm saying spiritually if you're only going to listen naturally? No, you've got to be perceptive. You've got to be perceptive in your spirit. If you go over one chapter, John chapter 3, we were just in John chapter 3, go over to John chapter 4. Jesus is having another conversation with a woman, a Samaritan woman. And he reads her mail right there on the spot. You know, she was struggling there for a little bit. He was talking in spiritual terms. Man, you know, if you came and drove at my well, I've got water. You'll never thirst again. What? I've got to have some of that water. Give me some of that water. And she's thinking naturally. But she ends up making a statement over here in John chapter 4, verse 19, after Jesus reads her mail, after Jesus says, hey, uh, you've got uh, you've had all these husbands and the one you're married to isn't even your husband. The one you're living to uh, living with isn't even your husband now. And she says in verse 19, the woman said to her, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. (laughs) Some perception showing up because he never said, by the way, I'm a prophet. I have the gift to read mail. He never said that. But he says, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. What? There's some perception showing up. Perceive means to know. It means to discern. It means to acknowledge. Most importantly, it means to see clearly. It means to know. It means to discern. It means to acknowledge. But it means to see clearly. I don't want to just see the word. I want to see it clearly. I want to have clarity. I want to have clarity. For a lot of people, this book offers up more questions than answers. But God did not write this book to confuse you. 
God did not write this book to get you so lost that you have to rely on him to, I mean, God, I just don't know anything. I just feel stupid. I just feel so dumb after reading the Bible. No, he wants you to know it, but you've got to go at it. You've got to address it with perception. We've got to be perceptive. We've got to be perceptive. You have to read the Bible and look at the word of God with your spirit. With your heart and not your head. We've got a desire to see the word with our heart, not our head. When we're reading the Bible, I'm not trying to naturally discern this. Because I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, a lot of it's not going to make sense to you naturally. But it's not supposed to. It's not supposed to make sense naturally. In fact, it's supposed to go against everything you know naturally. There's a danger that we run into when we try to understand the word naturally. But when I can address the word, when I can get in the word, when I can spend time in the word knowing, Father, you're speaking to my heart, not my mind. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you open up the scripture and reveal it to me. Now I'm going, now I'm addressing it with perception. You're heightened a little bit more. Now you're giving attention to every word, every verse. You're following everything that they say. And you're more intuitive. And you're asking more questions. I'm not just reading the Bible just to get it out of the way. I'm not just reading the Bible with this mindset in my mind that I can't understand this stuff anyways. I'm just going to read it. Just maybe something will pop out. No, I read this Bible knowing, God, you're going to show me something today. If we're going to know truth, we've got to be people that have open hearts or open minds and proving hearts. We've also got to be people that when we study the word, we're perceptive, not nonchalant. The last step that I have for you simply goes back to last month or last week. It was last month. It was last month and last week all in one. And we talked about the Holy Spirit. And number one, or number three, you have to rely on the Holy Spirit. He's your helper. He's your guide. He's the one that comes alongside and says, hey, this is what the Father's saying. This is what the Father's saying. And the cool thing about it is the Holy Spirit won't only show you the word as you're reading it. He'll bring you He'll bring remembrance of the word to you when you most need it. Right? It's one thing to know how to use something when I don't need it, but what about when I do need it? What about when I do need it? Come on, we've all been in the situation. Oh, man, I know that verse. Oh, gosh, there's that verse. Or somebody asks you a question at work. Man, oh, gosh, there's a verse in there. You know, the Holy Spirit will show you that. He'll bring to your remembrance. Because the word's not just good if you're sitting down reading it. The, the word is good for practical use on a daily basis. The word is valuable for me to access and to use at any moment in my life. I want the word to work for me in crisis. 
I don't want to know all the healing scriptures when I'm well. I need those healing scriptures when I'm sick. I don't want to know all those victory, victory uh, scriptures. I'm more than an overcomer. I can do all things. Uh, you know, just when everything's going good, when you feel like an overcomer, those verses are there for when you don't feel like an overcomer. Those verses are there for when, man, I'm so far below this thing, I don't know how I'm getting out, but I am more than a conqueror through him. That's the Holy Spirit. He will enlighten you. He will illuminate the word. He will reveal it to you. He will show you things to come. And he'll bring to remembrance his word. He is your God. He is your teacher. You have to rely on the Holy Spirit. Trying to know the word, trying to live by the word without being in the word and without the Holy Spirit is impossible. And I believe, again, that God wants us to know truth. But we've got a responsibility. We've got a responsibility to know truth. We've got a responsibility to, gu- to guard our minds, to guard our hearts, and to make sure that we are studying, proving, learning, growing in the Word of God. It's vital for life. The truth will set you free. Which tells me this, the lie will keep me bound. The lie will keep me stuck. Living a lie, believing a lie, as if it's the truth, keeps me in bondage. But man, when I discover the truth, when I know the truth, the truth shall set you free. Jesus said this, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Amen. He wants us to know His truth. Father, we thank You tonight that You have given us Your truth. You have given us Your Word. There's nothing more valuable to us. There's nothing of greater value in our lives than Your Word. Your Word brings truth and Your truth brings freedom. Father, I thank You that we can be set free from any issue, any bondage, anything that is holding us back. Father, if we can just discover Your truth, we can discover life. If we can discover your truth, we can discover freedom in the kingdom of God. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that guides us, leads us, guards us in truth. Father, I thank you that we'll place value on knowing the truth, knowing the word, living the word, doing the word, hearing the word, speaking the word. Because truth will set us free. We thank you for this tonight in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen. If our